Brothers and sisters, welcome back to the XX Mormon Podcast. We are delighted uh, to be gathered here this very holy day where we can be enlightened uh, by the Spirit. I am especially grateful that Bishop isn't here because now I'm able to enact some of my own ideas and policies, which include ordaining women. Um, so we're actually going to ordain Sister Mary Magdalene, who is also known on the records of the church as sister the cousin of the wife of the brother of Jared. Uh, this is true. Um, welcome, welcome to this sacrament meeting, and congratulations on being the first ordained woman in our church. Oh, thank you. That was a great introduction. I'm really happy and lucky to be the first, and um, very honored, and hopefully we don't have the wrath of God upon us for... <laughs> going so so rogue in this <laughs> we we might end up with the wrath of bishop jensen upon us but uh we can talk about that when when he gets back from his from his um mission abroad uh so today though we're we're interviewing you i'm interviewing you um and we're we're gonna just jump right into it you are actually the cousin of the the wife of the brother of jared uh, that's that. That's how we got in touch. Uh, which those those episodes with your cousin and her husband, those are some of the most popular episodes we've we've done. Like people have really enjoyed them. We've gotten a lot of great feedback about those ones. They were really fun to talk to both of them. And we actually, I think we have another episode with uh, with the brother of Jared coming up soon as well. Or by this time, it'll it'll be out by the time this comes out. But anyways. I want to get right into your story. Do you want to start with, were you born into the church? Is your family converts? Did you convert? Like, tell us about your own story of how you happened to become a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, I I was born in the covenant-ish in a way because my parents got sealed in the temple when I was three. Okay. So like... I, I don't really have memory. Um, if I look at pictures of it, I can kind of like sort of think I remember. Right. But yeah, my mom joined as a teenager and then my dad joined um, shortly after my sister was born and she was she a baby when they were sealed. Um, and he was like all kinds of different religions before my mom um she was pretty much raised agnostic parents and so she is the first and only in her family and my dad was like the first and only in his family okay so what was what was like the perception of that uh from both sides of the family like how did your grandparents feel about your parents being members um so my mom only has one sister and and she's not she's agnostic. Um, and so her parents were, I think, nervous. Um, but, but my mom has told me that they were just trying to be supportive of her mm -hmm. and, um, they were pretty progressive and, um, my mom served a mission and did all this stuff. And so I think oh, they wow. were trying to encourage her independence, you know, right. and so even if it was different or weird to them, they were like, well, it's not the worst thing, you know, <laughs> like it's, not that bad. And then um, my dad, um, unfortunately, isn't close with his family. He had pretty much 
cut most of them off before he married my mom. So right. um, I'm not, you know, 100% accurate on their reactions, but I'm pretty sure they were used to him joining churches and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So you mentioned him being part of multiple other churches uh, and then finding the Mormon church. And obviously he stayed in it long enough to have a family and then to end up getting sealed uh, as as a family when you were when you were three years old. And so what like going going from that experience, like being totally raised in the church and, and totally involved in it, um, what like what was your experience like? Did you have a did you have a good time in the church or or yeah, like what what was your perspective growing up? Um, that's a great question. Cause obviously I have like, you know, stages of anger where I can see mm-hmm. the church is like really bad yeah. and I'm like, what's, I'm okay if it burns to the ground, whatever. Yeah. But, um, if I'm totally honest, obviously it's a mixed bag and, um, there were positive things. Like I had a few young women leaders that were, you know, good examples of women and like, um, they supported me sort of like a big sister, I would say. Yeah. Um, so growing up in the church, um, yes, this could start us on the track of like one of the main things I would like to discuss, which is obviously the patriarchy mm-hmm. and the misogyny. Yeah. And um, how even as a child, a young girl, um, I personally felt already objectified right as a female and as a woman as a girl and that i already kind of picked up on the fact that like it's a man's world Mm -hmm. and it's the men who decide things Mm -hmm. and um we have to kind of fall in line if you're a girl and there's a certain way to be if you're a girl Mm -hmm. um so yeah um my parents have recently left and um, I had a lot of anger, mainly towards my dad in this sense, because um, I was like, you raised me in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was upset when he left, but not for the reasons most people are upset. I was upset because for a long time, he was the main reason that I stayed. Right, right. And and he gave you like i'm i'm assuming um he gave some of that like patriarchal vibes of like oh, yes. you know and and yeah and that's that's something really interesting to grapple with for me from a man's perspective of like i know that as a young man and as a young adult like uh, as a child i perpetuated that like i when my dad was away i was like well looks like I'm in charge now, you know, <laughs> even though like my stepmom's still president in the house, right? Like, but now I'm the boss. Now I'm the spiritual leader because uh, my dad's away for the weekend, right? And so it's interesting because uh, I've had to, I've had to process the patriarchy, you know, just from a man's perspective. Uh, but then from a woman's perspective, it's got to be so much more intense and, uh, and there, there must be a lot more uh, hurt, I guess. So at what point, because you mentioned noticing the, this patriarchy and having a problem with it, at what point 
uh, as a child, did you start to pick up on that and kind of realize like, oh, this is a man's world? I'd say probably some of my earliest memories, you know, and I get frustrated when people in the church um, kind of don't believe women's voices and especially like they'll, they'll, they'll say, Oh, we never really said that, or we don't teach that, or we don't. Right. And I'm like, well, it's subtle. And if you're a somewhat intuitive or, you know, intelligent child, you pick up on the unsaid subliminal messages yep. or, you know, and this isn't to throw my dad under the bus. Like he, he was doing his best and he was even taking on a role that sometimes that maybe wasn't authentic to himself, but he felt this, this, the pressure and the, you know, the obligation. And, you know, he, he did use phrases like, like, well, I'm the patriarch of the home. And, and, you know, he would lead the meetings. Mm -hmm. And at one point my dad was even um, like first or second counselor in the bishopric. Right. And, and like he was, when he was in it, he was in it. Right. So he did do all of the things where my mom, just as a personality, she's much more laid back and she's not as like authoritarian mm -hmm. naturally. And so, um, yes, she raised us in the church and she supported him and stuff, but my mom is not like the take charge. Um, she's not bossy. She's pretty, she's pretty laid back. So I felt, I definitely felt like, and I think my personality is probably more similar to my dad where we, we want to, have community we want to be liked we want to be loved we want to be included um we care you know what those around us think my mom is more introverted and um i guess her her motives were di were different and and one of his issues with the church that he has shared now is the fact that he felt like my mom was treated as invisible while they attended right so that's really interesting um, that even somebody who took that patriarchal role for so long can still see like, hey, wait a second. And that's one of those things, like you said, you start picking up on these things, even as a child, you start paying attention. I mean, when I went through the temple as an adult, there wasn't really anything in there that was a big shock to me because you just hear things, you know, o over the years and and eventually uh, you, you pick it up enough that when you go, it's not surprising. And I think that happens with a lot of people who leave the church is it is this slow, gradual realization of like, oh, yeah, you know, even though they don't teach it explicitly, you start picking up on these little issues along the way. And I think we're, we're going to come back to the patriarchy stuff, but I, I want to hear maybe a few other things uh, growing up and then before we get into BYU Idaho as well what are what are some of the things that you started realizing um, early on as potential issues with the church um, so an early memory I'd say for sure before I was eight in primary we had um, you know boys and girls in our primary class and my ward was small and um, we were doing coloring or something and one of the little boys in my class, he wanted a pink crayon or like a pink color or purple or something. And, and not me because I'm, I don't know. I didn't, 
really like always fall in line as a kid. But other people in the class, including the teacher, told him like, no, that's a girl color. Wow. And that's a girl crayon. And I remember being like, is it? like? It's a I, color. It is, I guess. Like I'm very confused because like that's not something my parents would have said to us. Right. Especially my mom was an elementary school teacher for a while. And so she like had gotten my brother a baby doll to help us help him cope with having, you know, sisters born. So she was, she wasn't one that was like, you have to play with trucks and you have like, she didn't care. And so I was like, weird that I'm learning this at church. And so like already I could see, okay, gender roles aren't strong. Obviously I didn't articulate that as a kid, but that was something that stood out where like, they shamed this little boy and like picked on him and like teased him literally because he liked pink and purple crayons. Right. In a primary class. Yeah. Wow. That is, <laughs> it's like, it's a color. It's just like. It, You're assigning gender to a crayon. Okay. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I, I think that's a perfect example of how big of a, a deal we, we make about the, these like, random obscure not things like that's that's not a thing it's it's literally just a wavelength of light it's not important whether it's for boys or for girls who cares uh yeah that is weird was there anything else that you thought was strange growing up i mean definitely the idea of like you have to wear a a dress to church Mm -hmm. like you have to and i've tested this as an adult woman before i left I did wear pants before because I was like, does it really matter? And for sure, I only did it a few times because every time some older lady would come over and like in a roundabout weird way, talk to me about it. And like some of the older ladies would message my mom and be like, your daughter, she's wearing those <laughs> pants. Like, you know, and like, and so I remember cause I, so I am not a girly girl. Like I appreciate you know, I love femininity. I celebrate being a woman and that, but like, I wasn't really that, I'm not really that person. Like I really don't like dresses. I mm-hmm. even now, like even for family pictures, like, like maybe I'll wear one, but so yeah, I remember being like, well, my brother gets to wear, he was still wearing like church clothes, but he was wearing pants. And like, I had to wear a skirt and it had to be a, or a dress and like all the little girls there, like you know, bows and hair done and like decked out and everyone's like, look, your Sunday best. And I'm like, that's pretty narrow and pretty like objective. And like, I know the church would argue in other countries, it's not like that and whatever. But so for context, I grew up in California, mm-hmm. as you couldn't tell from my annoying California <laughs> accent, but um, <laughs> in case that wasn't clear with how much I say like or whatever, but yeah. Um, so we had a small ward. We have a small stake and for whatever reason, the leadership decided to try and be as close to like Utah as we could hmm. like to, to combat against, you know, the world that we right. were surrounded by. Right. Like there's such a small group of us. So it was pretty much like the church is like a small world, like a small town feel, even though I very much grew up in a big state, a big city, lots of other opposing things. And so it was like, now that I can, you know, articulate it, the whole double down thing, Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like the leadership felt like, well, we're surrounded by all of this chaos. We really got to be like a little Zion and 
we got to do all the things and like drill that down the people. And so you can tell we're Mormon from a mile away kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was the vibe. And so like, even though, yes, I was surrounded by non-Mormons all the time. Like I am grateful for that, that I had a window to the outside world. Yeah. But the downside was that even to this day, since um, two and a half years ago, I moved back to my hometown it's still very much like they try so hard to be like Utah and Idaho and it's just, it's not working. It's not going right. great. Surprise. But <laughs> that was definitely how it was. So it kind of sounds like there, there's like this desire to, um, I mean, to emulate that Utah, Idaho, like we are the community. We, we stick together and have a little bit of insulation from the spooky outside world. And I, I know I got that uh, from my ward and my stake growing up, and I grew up in an area with a significant LDS population, um, especially considering we were outside of Utah and Idaho. Um, and I really took to heart the, like, being a peculiar person thing. Like, did you kind of adopt that as a personality trait? Like, how important was it to you to be like, Oh yeah, like I'm weird. I'm like here in California, but I am following the gospel. Like how much did you adopt that and how much did you kind of be like that's weird? I don't want to do that. What was your experience? Okay, so really good point. Really good question. And so it's good to know that you were one of those kids. No. Super weird. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I kind of so I was always sort of a little rebel hmm. and sort of a little naughty. Like that's my personality. Like I'm a middle kid. I need attention. Like I own that. This is one of my personality. And I would act out a lot and like test boundaries. I was probably my parents, like most difficult quit kid mm -hmm. in quotes. Cause I really still wasn't that difficult, but like out of the bunch. And so I definitely felt embarrassed hmm. to be Mormon. Like I totally get those kids that were like, they, I went to school with a few of them. Yeah. Like I had a huge high school. We probably like five Mormon kids so they're either like me who like we pretended we're too cool. We're not Mormon. Like, no, you wouldn't know. What are you talking about? We don't know those kids just on Wednesdays and Sunday. Um, but there were totally those kids that were like, I'm Mormon and I'm weird and I'm quirky. And like, this is my jam. And I follow all the rules. And like, that's my personality. I was thankfully not that way. I think that's why it was easier for me to leave in a sense, hmm. because I was already like, embarrassed i was already right. like oh they're weird this is weird like i care about social you know i don't know i guess i was socially aware early on because i'm an extrovert and a middle kid and like um yeah so and i um i would say i was obedient as and and not really questioning until i'd say 15 for sure but there were red flags definitely as a kid like to where I was like, oh, I don't think I want to like announce this. I don't right. think I want to like, you know, and, and my mom didn't push the modesty thing. Like I've talked to her about it now. And she's like, I thought there were so many battles. I had to fight with you. Like I picked my battles. A swimsuit wasn't one that I wanted to fight you wow. with. Like, yeah. I don't care, you know? So, so yeah, if I, if you saw me out, I did not dress like Mormon, like I wore, I wore bikinis, I wore what I wanted. Um, and 
Um, we didn't really do a lot of stuff on Sunday because I wasn't really in control of that. But yeah, if I was out, if people asked me if I was Mormon, I wouldn't lie. I would tell them like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm Mormon or whatever. But there were definitely a few kids I knew that were very much like, we're the Mormon kids at school. Right. And like, they weren't in my ward. They were in the ward that's like, went to the same building and the same high school, but it was like different ward. And they were like a group and they were tight knit and they were friends. And I was kind of like the outcast in the other ward. Like they probably saw me as a rule breaker and mm. were shocked if I showed up and followed the rules <laughs> at yeah. that point. <laughs> that was definitely yeah. me. I was definitely one of those Mormon kids who would have been like, I mean, is she really Mormon? Like I was definitely, I was definitely one of those. All the kids I hung out with at school were all Mormon. Cause I was like, the other ones they are going to tell me to smoke weed or, you know, they're going to drag me down to hell or, or something like that. Right. Uh, so I was very much one of the other ones, uh, but I'm glad to hear that you managed to keep yourself as like a normalish human being, even while you were in there. But then after high school, you wound up going to BYU Idaho. Um, what like, what's with that? You were you were so on track. You were you know going going the right way. You you weren't really following all the rules, and then you're like, I'm gonna go to BYU Idaho. Oh my gosh. Okay, that's a great question. And and for also context, like, um, my siblings were more, you know, rule following than me, and like less rebellious, I would say. Mm -hmm. And part of going, circling back to like why I mentioned I had some anger when my dad left is because at 18, um, I was very much at a crossroads. Like I had gotten into the local state school mm -hmm. and I had also gotten into BYU, Idaho. And I had also been seeing a non-Mormon guy mm -hmm. for about a year and he was he was 21 i was 18. there's obvious reasons we can dissect why that was a problem or yeah. why my parents were like uh and also um so under the surface too i guess i can share some pretty open person and it does tie back to some other topics we could discuss um at this point by my senior year um i was pretty much like had quit going to seminary mm. And I was, I was working a lot and going to school. And so I kind of blamed it on like, oh, I'm too tired from work. I had a closing shift at like 11. I can't get up at 5.45 and go. And so my parents were like, well, she is working. And like, we have to puff out a lot of damn battles with her already. Like, we'll just, we'll let the seminary thing go. Yeah. And um, at this point, um, I was heavily into, um, disordered eating and like um i had even dabbled into drinking and marijuana use because i had developed such bad anxiety at the time i didn't know what it was mm -hmm. but like my anxiety was so bad i had i almost didn't graduate not because of grades they were still going to give me the diploma but they didn't want me to they threatened to not have me walk graduation because i had cut like over 130 classes my senior wow. year. And I already had like one of them was a TA and I had an open sixth and seventh period. Like I was already like doing the bare minimum because I was just trying to get out of there. I was just trying to survive. Yeah. And so 
I got called in by the school counselor and they're like, look, we, your grades, your GPA and grades are fine, but like on precedent, because you've made it a point to purposely cut class so many times, we're not sure you deserve to walk in the ceremony and whatever. Wow. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure I cried and he was a guy <laughs> counselor. He was like in his thirties. He was probably like, I didn't tell him anything. I was just like, oh, it's been so, I just, I'm ready for the next phase of my life. I just hate it here. And yeah. you know, whatever. I don't know what I said, but somehow he like, he felt pity on my soul. And he, he was like, fine, you can walk, but you need to, you can't skip any more class last semester. And I like still cut a few times, but like, you know, I was like, okay, I'll do good. I promise yeah. I'll, you know, cause he's like, it's, it's, it's gonna, you're gonna miss out on that experience. And like, I found out later, I think my parents had like tipped him off, like, we're worried about her, you need to call her in and like threaten her with something. But, <laughs> but yeah, I was like, okay. But yeah, I, um, I didn't talk about this with anyone, but like, I was also suicidal, mm -hmm. uh, like warning, you know, sorry, just spit out. But yeah, I was really struggling in high school. And um, the church, Part of one of the, the main themes of why I left the church is because the church never gave me comfort. Hmm. It never was like this band-aid that they said it would. It never, quote, cured me. It never gave me comfort. It only caused me to feel more anxiety, hmm. more shame, more guilt, more oppressive system, more objectification. And the reason I was depressed and anxious was because from early childhood on, warning i was also a victim of sexual abuse mm. and so um and then i was severely bullied junior high and high school and um not so much in in church but i do have a crazy story about somebody who he's still in the church he works for the state president's business and so there was certain experiences that did happen within the church and there were experiences that happened just being a woman where I grew up in America, but, but yeah, so, um, yeah, so the, I wasn't just, my parents just were like up in arms, like, why is she acting out and why is she struggling and why they didn't understand? Because like, I did not tell anyone anything until in my twenties. Wow. So, so yeah, nobody at this time knew. They just saw the symptoms. They saw the behaviors there, you know, and I, I didn't fully know myself, right? Because I wanted, I was so afraid to talk. I was afraid, like fear was such a motivator, which also ties into the church, like mm -hmm. fear, shame, guilt, all of those were my main motivators at this time. So, I mean, and yeah, like the church uses that, right? Like they, they control people with a scrap of bread and a tiny cup of water, right? Is, um, as like, if you don't do what we say, you, you miss out on this and then it ends up wreaking real havoc. Like it actually causes people real emotional harm and, uh, leads to, leads to other more serious issues than just like, oh man, I didn't get like the little mid church snack, right? Like it's actually, um, it's abuse. Like that's, that's what it is. And so when you're dealing with all of this, you, you didn't go to anyone. We've already talked about like the, the patriarchy and the effect that that's had on you. Um, why like, 
I guess, why didn't you go to anyone? Like, why were you going to church? You were, you know, uh, with family, but you never, you never dealt with it. Like, looking back on that, why do you think that was? Um, So for me, I think I had been used to grooming Hmm. from an early on. And I think I, I am a people pleaser. Yeah. And, um, and so in every instance, there was different contexts, but I guess I can, so I'm not out here to ruin any lives and put anyone on blast. Like I'm not, that's not my goal. Like I'm, I'm we're, we're good, but, um, I will share. So I will share in an instance of someone that was in the church who caused me harm mm-hmm. only just for the context. And I can share why in this particular instance, like I didn't choose to speak yeah and um mainly because this person i was so i was 13 this individual was 16 or 17 and um we were family friends with this family they're a huge family in the ward they had 10 kids and um the dad was in the bishopric my dad was like friends with him we went on family trips with them to their beach house, like on the weekends. Um, and um, because once again, kind of the older kid, then there's like, I guess I had a, an, an attraction to older guys or something, but like, this is a pattern, right? And um, this particular incident, um, after hanging out, and as soon as I was in mutual with this kid, I actually kind of had a crush on his brother. Hmm. Um, and I don't know if he was aware of that or whatever, but maybe he had like a motive to be like, well, let me see if I could get her to like me instead of my brother. Like everyone likes my brother. Mm-hmm. Cause his brother was like a year older and like really cute and like in a band and like, um, um, I don't know at the time, like more like what we were into at that age, like I'm 30 now. So that was sort of when like emo punk was in and all that. And so this kid, he really, um, he flattered me. He complimented me. He was messaging me and text messages. And at the time I had like aim messenger mm. and like, you know, because I was 13, I did not know how to spot like somebody being like a schmoozer. Like to this day, I'm not into men who are like overtly extroverted and flirty and friendly. I'm already like suspicious. Like mm-hmm. even my husband like does nice compliments or gestures or like, gets me flowers. I'm like, what did you do? What did you do? Like, I'm very suspicious. Like I have trust issues, but, but yeah. And so he was like one of the first older men, not men. He was a kid. He was still like a teen, but older guy who was decent, who was like, he was, he was like the school mascot and he was, he was funny and he was, everyone loved him and he was like shining his light on me. And, um, yeah, he I was at a friend's house at a sleepover and he had messaged me that he would come pick me up if we wanted to hang out and obviously naive me at 13 did not run through this scenario I was like where is this gonna go this is not gonna go great like at the time I was literally like freaking out I told my friends like is it okay this guy that I really like but you know at the time like I think my friends were already like it was late. They had guys there. Like we had, we used to have giant sleepovers. They, they were like, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, I, I floated through crowds. Let's just say that. So they weren't the friends that were like, 
oh, red flags here. Like, you know, like they were probably drinking beer. I don't know. Like, so they didn't care. So he, like one of the perks of having an older guy's attention was that like, oh, he had a card Mm -hmm. get me. And like, you know, I already have the cover. My parents aren't going to know. So yeah, he picked me up. It's like midnight. It's like one. I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't like crazy late, but he picked me up. Um, like I sent them the address, he picked me up, I got in his car and like naive me, this is going to sound so dumb and people probably, they, they have a hard time believing it. I'm just telling you my story. 13 year old me literally was like, what are we going to do? And he's like, oh, we can just talk. We can hang out, you know, see how things go. And so I legit was like, oh, we're going to talk out and hang out. And like, you were things like, I, I was not thinking like, clearly I'm a virgin at this point. Like I'm you know, I had probably kissed a few guys at this point and I was pretty boy crazy. Like that was my goal till I was like, I'd say like three to 21. It was like boys, but, but yeah, I did not have the forethought of this could be really bad. I trusted him. He was at church. Like anytime where our families did do stuff together, he and his brother and my sister, like we would hang out his, his, he and his brothers were my brother's age. So like, um, I wasn't getting predator vibes at all. Right. But I started to get an inkling when he took me to my elementary school. And we, he was like, oh, let's, and he pulls up in front of the elementary school, like by the playground side. And it's by both of our houses because we lived, you know, a couple streets away from each other. And he was like, you want to get out and, and hang out here? And I started to feel nervous. Cause I was like, Oh, this isn't like, we're not going back to your house. We're not just talking in the car. Like we're getting out and we're like breaking into a school. (laughs) Like, like, I don't know if this is cool. Like I could already, I think there was a part of me that was like, wait a second. Like we're alone out here. Like, Oh, but then I kept thinking like, no, he's a really nice kid. Like he's more of a nice family. Like you're just scared because you're breaking a rule and like you're young and like, you want to be cool. Like he's a cool older kid. He probably does this all the time. Like, you know, play it along. And so we, we go to the playground and we're like hanging up on, we're hanging out on the slides and we're talking stuff. And he, he's like leaning closer and he's like, you know, and so I got the vibe of like, oh no, like, I think he's wanting to like kiss me or do something. And I did get scared. Like I did kind of get cold feet. So I was like, oh, why don't we walk? Why don't we take a walk? Let's go for a walk. You know, like, because, because like the little slide areas were super tight and close and like I was like oh is he I don't know and it's like covered and I just I started to feel nervous so we're walking and we're walking over by the classrooms and and the campuses in California are like outdoor campuses Mm -hmm. so they're not like these big institutional buildings they're like pods of classrooms right so it's all outdoors you know just for a visual and there's like you know um disability access ramps and stuff so we're like we're, we're, we're on like this ramp and he's like, he just like sits on the ground and he's like, well, why don't we just sit here and talk or why don't we lay here and look at the stars? And I was like, oh, you know, okay. You know, and, and I, at that point I was feeling like, oh no, like this is not like, yeah. <laughs> this is going a certain way. And at that point I'm laying there, we're looking at the stars and he gets on top of me wow. and he puts his, hands in my hands and I'm laying on my back. And so he's on top of me, his hands are in my hands, holding my arms back. And we start kissing, we start making out. And like, 
I'm I couldn't pull away anymore because I'm flat against the back and I I feel like his pelvis I feel his body on top of me and like he's using a lot of tongue and I remember like floating out of my body like that sounds crazy but I, I remember being like now I'm in the stars like oh now I'm up in the cosmos and like I'm not here and I remember um being like like I could feel his spit I could feel the saliva I could I could like feel my heart beating I could feel like but I was frozen I was frozen and I remember having like this huge like blatant thought that was like oh he's gonna rape me yeah and I must have like this is what I thought at the time that I emitted like all this energy like he felt my thought that it was so strong and like I like scared him or something but actually what happened is I peed I started to urinate so like I'm laying there he's on top of me and I'm just frozen filling my jeans with pee and so then he gets up and he's like oh and I was like oh uh yeah I I guess I had to pee or like uh and he was like oh oh and it just got weird like it just got he was immediately off of me like I was like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Like, I peed. And he's like, oh, you should probably go home, man. I'm like, yeah. Like, it was it was so embarrassing. But all of like, you know, now that I'm adult, I'm like, oh, we need to unpack this. But, like, at the time, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. Like, I literally just peed. Like, why did I pee? What's going on? And, like, so it completely, I don't know if he was going to rape me, right? Like, I can't, I'm not, I no longer have, like, anger and ill will toward this kid whatever because like I he could easily be like I was not gonna rape you girl calm down like I was just aggressively making out I I wasn't I you know I wasn't gonna take your pants off calm yourself like he could I, for sure but like my response though like the the fear that I felt or like the thoughts that I went to was like was that you know and so it was super awkward like and I was just like you know what he was like you want me to take you back to your friend's house do you want me to, you know, take you home? And I was like, literally so turned off and like embarrassed and like everything. I was like, I'm good. I'm just going to walk home if that's okay. Like, can I walk home? Like I was basically like co-signing on like, you just get in your car and like leave. And I'm going to yeah. walk home. Like I did not want to get back in the car with him. I didn't want to be around him. Like I didn't even want to go back to the sleepover. I was like, I'm sure somebody's awake at my house to let me in. Like I'll, you know, I'll just tell them like, oh, I couldn't sleep. It went bad. Or like, it was a late, like, or, or I would, you know, I don't think, I think I told my parents something like, oh, I was homesick, or, which wasn't a lie. Like I was literally like, I'm just going to walk home in my pee jeans. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm pretty sure I threw those jeans away never wore them again. And like, he and I had to be around each other at like every church thing, every Sunday. And we never said a word to each other again. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not making this up. We literally were like, nothing. we are both just never talking about this. And we're never like, <laughs> we're, we're, and so I, I think because I, he didn't actually penetrate me. I brushed it off and was like, right. I'm the embarrassing one. I was awkward. Like, this isn't a story that needs to be shared. But like later when I was in high school um, and he had already graduated, 
a girl in one of my physics class who happened to also have the same name than me and was a year younger than me, she confided in me that he had raped her. Wow. And I was, I was like not surprised, right? And not shocked. And I played it cool and I never told her anything on my end. It literally came up because she was like, she found out I was Mormon because there was another Mormon kid in that physics class. And she was like, what? You're Mormon? Oh my gosh. Well, do you know so-and-so? And I was probably like sarcastic and something like, oh yeah. And like rolled my eyes or like made a disgust face or like, oh, he, him, oh, you know? And so she's like, what, why? And I was just like, oh, like, oh, I don't like him or he's a douche. Or I said something like that. And she was like, she's like, oh, you don't know the half of it. And like, I was like, oh, really? She's like, no, he's horrible. And she like went down this whole thing and like, wow, he raped her and he was abusive her and horrible. And like, no one believes her because like everyone loves him. And I was like, I didn't share my story with her. I just was basically like, girl, I believe you. And like, I can see it. And like, I totally know you're telling the truth, like for what it's worth, whatever. And this girl had a reputation of being like dramatic and attention seeking and, um, so yeah, and she was probably already sexually active. So I think they easily easily brushed her off as like, whatever, she's claiming that now because they're exes, but yeah, it was consensual or she liked him or whatever. But I was like low-key one of the people that was like, Oh, no, not not surprised. I do believe you. <laughs> well and I think that's I, I think that's one of the um big big things. I in society generally we kind of take this perspective of like oh, like, if it wasn't rape, then it doesn't matter, right? Like, then it's not a big deal. Or, oh, well, I mean, she's promiscuous anyways, or what sh- What was she wearing, right? There's always this, th- this way that we talk about these things as removing blame from the man and putting it on the woman for one reason or another or in one way or another. And, uh, and then of course that's magnified in the church, you know, we've, we've talked about, about that. And so you kept this quiet. You never shared this with anybody. Was there, um, I mean, outside of just the embarrassment that, that comes from that, um, was there any other reason why you were like, I just can't tell anybody? Um, I think there was a lot of reasons. Also, I recognized early on that like, he's favored. Mm -hmm. He has status. He's a favorite. Like if it came to my word against his, they'll probably side with him. Mm -hmm. They'll probably make excuses for him because he had depression and he was struggling or like, he didn't know, or like, you know, he's having a hard time. And like, I already knew my place. Like I'm lower than him. And also at that point I had had a friend's brother also molest me who was, 19 and I was 14, 13, 14. Like this all happened. Like I'd say like 13 to 18. I had a lot of sexual abuse, a lot of inappropriate experiences. And my friend's older brother, I did make the mistake of telling her and she sided with her brother. Wow. And she was like captain of this sounds so corny, but like, this is facts. She was captain of the cheer team. Mm. And her brother, when he was in high school was like the cool kid that everyone loved and everyone wanted to be like him. And he was like a neighborhood hero. And so, um, the, she and a bunch of other girls and he himself, I had to actually 
delete my AIM account because I was getting so many messages from them. I, I had to like, I had to like block numbers on my phone because they would message me and they would text me and they spread rumors about me and they shared notes and they told anyone they would talk to. They told, they told everyone that I was a slut and I was a whore and I came after him and I came on to him and like I was teasing him and I led him on and I was playing games and like that I was a whore and I like literally so my reputation at high school was that I was like this crazy girl and like so wild like I was a virgin but apparently nobody cares to like really look into these facts they're just like you know I'm sure you've seen the movie movie Easy A with like Emma Stone like it's totally like this, somebody starts this like snowball effect of like did you hear about her do you know what she did and so um I learned from that experience like don't tell people they make your life worse like they were telling me to like kill myself and I actually did self-harm because they were like you should go die you should kill yourself you should you're a slut you're disgusting like we're gonna ruin your life and like you know I had girls non-stop like I lost friendships because everyone would rather just believe the narrative that he was this hero and that I was somehow deserving and a horror what you know literally I'm like okay now I'm like he was 19 I was 14 not really sure yeah. there's anything I did that like and for context like when I've had these instances happen to me like I'm wearing normal clothes like yeah. I'm not you know, I wasn't like, and that doesn't matter either way, but like, I am, you know, I wasn't engaging and I wasn't really taking my clothes off and coming on to people. It was literally every time I was pushed into a room, locked into a room. I was like, um, this, this particular guy, I told my friend because we went to a water park together and he started like trying to untie my swimsuit. Like wow. um, it was like a tie you know, yeah. bikini, and he kept thinking it was funny to like untie it, and it was bugging her. And she's like, "Why are you doing that? Like, stop messing with my friend. Leave my friend." And he got like sunscreen, and he tried rubbing all over my back, and he was trying to rub it on me. And like, my reaction is so unhelpful. I freeze. Like, I don't have the fight. I don't have the flight. I don't run. I literally just freeze, and I'm like, I'm like such a delayed processor that I'm like, ah like everything's firing at once like as part of my anxiety like I don't know what to do I'm I'm not helpful and so she was like really bothered she's like why is my brother giving you all this attention why is he doing this to you like something must have happened and so like while we're in the like the lazy river I like break down and tell her like last night when you were in the other room like he pushed me into your room he shut the door he like pushed me on your bed and he like felt me up and he shoved his throat his tongue down my throat and like he felt my body and like he told me like not to tell you and that you would like that we would lose our friendship and he he made all these threats to me and so I felt scared to tell you but now that you're seeing the signs and you're asking me like I need to tell you as a friend this is what happened and she paused and she was quiet for a long time and so I thought like okay good like she's gonna like beat him down we're gonna like handle this and instead she literally was like we can't be friends anymore wow you're not my friend anymore um i'm gonna call my dad he's gonna take you to wendy's and you can have your dad pick you up from there like we're done here we're done at the water park like like 
like um he's and i think her brother had like taken us in his jeep had taken us there so this is like a big like walk of shame we're ending the friendship like we're not even gonna give you yeah. a ride home like you are done and so i remember being like oh like i didn't know this was an option of how it was gonna go but this is how it went and it just like snowballed so bad from there yeah. that like the high school bowling got so incredibly bad all because I told her and like the narrative was switched to like oh she's always had a crush on my brother and she's always been in love with him and she tried to get at him and like I legit had a few friends that were like no no you know like I always had a few solid people that were like I don't believe the rumors don't worry but like the ma- the vast majority of people were just like hey she is more status she we know him like Who's this other chick trying to ruin his life? Like that's the narrative that it went with. Yeah. So, so yeah, I was like, anytime I ever tried to tell people any of these instances, I got punished. My life got worse. Like I was, I learned the hard way. Like, do not tell people. <laughs> like, just don't do it. It gets worse for you. Yeah, and I mean, and it's not even just the um, like it, there. You first, you have like culturally we don't deal with these things well like in society generally in the west and then on top of that on top of that you also have the the church that there there is this shame that even if you did tell somebody if you talk to somebody at church about it not only would there be like the this shame put on you there'd be an additional level of shame of like not only uh did you do something wrong you like offended god right like there's this extra layer and so then was going to byu idaho like an attempt to be around holier healthier people or something like how like how did this wind up in you going there for school so yeah um so yeah i had a pattern of older boys i guess and i was in a relationship that like okay not everything is black or white thinking like it was it was a mixed bag relationship like there were some good things but yes there were obvious some predatory things and I there was some sexual abuse in that relationship and so um my parents really and other young women's leaders really pushed hard like this will be an adventure Hmm. like like if you stay here and you go to the state school with your boyfriend like you know what life is like like you'll continue dating this guy you'll just you'll be around these same people you'll be in the same place you know you know what life is like here why don't you try switching it up why don't you give the church like my parents were like please just give it one more chance like don't rule it out yet like go here go have an adventure like give it your all you know you've always been a rule breaker like give it a chance like go hard and like I think they were really hoping I would break up with this guy and like go hard in the church and like get a testimony and be like oh yes you you guys my heroes (laughs) and like i guess in a way i was like you know what on one end they're right like it is a way to get out of my town my hometown it is a way to get exposed to like a whole new crowd of people Mm -hmm. and it will be an adventure and like worst case i can always come home i know what life is like here etc and at this time like i had really been questioning the church And my parents were basically pleading, like, before you rule it out, like, go there, do all the things, and, like, you'll have these experiences, and and we'll we'll touch base again. Like, pretty much, like, 
please, before you leave, this is one last thing that we want you to do. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, they're like, you've already like put us through a lot of turmoil with your behaviors, like give it a chance, give it a go. And so um, I did want to get away. I did want to try something new and um, see that life, you know, before I did completely go down this other direction. So yeah, that is the main reason I, I went. <laughs> yeah. And so, so you went to kind of almost try the word to test the word. Did it work at all? Like while you were there, was there any point where you were like, maybe it is true. Maybe like this is beautiful because haven't gone to BYU, Idaho. There, there are some cool things about it. There are some nice things about it. And it's like an extended EFY for adults at, at some points, right? Like they have these big meetings and there's the devotional and there's in every single class, they open with a prayer. And so it's constantly getting beaten into you. Uh, so at any point, did you kind of start adopting that and being like, wow, maybe like, maybe I am feeling the spirit. Maybe this is all true. Yeah. Well, and so, um, off and on throughout my childhood and even my teen years, there mm-hmm. were like, you know, I did EFY, I did yep. girls camp. I did, we actively went to church every Sunday. We actively went to mutual. So I did have some experiences that you could say were spiritual or yeah. were like testimony builders. And I had a patriarchal blessing. So I had a few things that I was like, okay, I'm not like full atheist. I'm not full agnostic. I just, there were already some things that I conflicted with and yeah, BYU, Idaho, like there's no other option. You go to church on Sunday. Like your roommates are all leaving. (laughs) Like you will get locked out. Like you have no other place to be. Like you will get kicked out if you do not go. Like you have to follow the honor code, honor code, which is go. Mm -hmm. So like, and it's, you're culturally, culturally saturated. And like, that I am it's like oh I'm with the flow you know like I don't want to be the standout now I would be the standout embarrassing one if I am the rule breaker and like I wanted a clean slate I didn't want people to know like oh she had a long-term boyfriend that she did sexual things with and like oh she you know she swears a lot and like she smoked weed and like I didn't want to I wanted like a new identity of like oh yeah I'm this like hip California girl you know really trying my all here you know like you know I wanted friendships I didn't know I want to be liked I want to fit in I want to meet nice guys like I'll do what it takes it's not that big of a deal like I've done it off and on before so so yeah that was that was the goal so you did it like you actually you actually tried and I'm curious uh did you have a good experience uh, trying to live this way and kind of do the super Mormony things. Okay, so you might need like a love song, but yeah. So I tried. <laughs> Let me just clarify. Okay. Um, I didn't make it a year. Okay. <laughs> so I was the annoying, the annoying stereotype. The woman I used to roast, I became. Yeah. And I met my husband, my first semester <laughs> while you were being that woman <laughs> well nice. i mean we slowly started to break the rules but like when we met we had no context of each other and so i was just like 
I'm this young California girl, like, look at me, we're cool apartment. Yeah, you know, like, we were both on the surface doing all of the things. Obviously, we wouldn't have, like, vibed and been intimate if I was, like, the Molly Mormon type and he wasn't or vice versa. Right, yeah. So, yeah, we, I was giving it a go. And so that, to me, was a testimony builder. Because mm-hmm. I was like, look at me, I'm doing all the things. And, like, I already snagged a guy. Like, it's going <laughs> great. <laughs> This is a direct result of like my choices. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. So you you managed to snag a guy um, because of how righteous you were being. I want to hear like, um, like how how long did that last, and how did this, you know, this facade work? You said you didn't even make it a year there, like walk me through the steps of that relationship where you walk into BYU Idaho you're like I'm going to be righteous I'm going to be like the Mormon woman and then you meet this guy you're like wow testimony builder and then you're both like uh but actually like how how did that all happen so okay just to like give people a picture I don't need to do like ASMR sounds but like here's the well I'll paint the scene for you like I I am naturally like kind of a blonde California girl, mm-hmm. obviously you can tell from my voice or whatever, but like I legit, like I started dressing like kind of the Mormon girl. I dyed my hair brown. I got a haircut. Like I was going, I like changed my makeup. Like I, I went extra. Like I had my aunt when she dropped me off at Rexburg, like we went to Walmart and I like bought some boots and some like more church clothes and like, some coats, like petticoats. Yeah. Like I was going, I was like, I'm going to do this. Like I, no one's going to know that I was like totally naughty. Like, yeah. no, I'm going to go hard. And so like when I met my husband, he did not know like my real hair, hair color. Like we, it was, it initially was pretty shallow. And then slowly it was like, okay, we're diving into like, obviously to get to the point. So like I broke up with my boyfriend in January. Mm-hmm. I met my husband in January. We, became a couple in February. Yeah. We got engaged in April and we got married in August. Wow. So like that's how that's how quickly we like unraveled this. Yeah, very warm. I'm not a good liar. I'm not a good actress. But like, but yeah, I literally like fed myself the narrative like, I gave it a shot, you guys. I'm like, look, look how my life is like <laughs> unfolding before your eyes. Like I have the textbook. Like she she gave it to God. She knocked on the door. Jesus answered. Like she's just waiting for you to knock. I did the knocking. He answered. Look at all this. Like <laughs> yeah, it really so like that kept me in. And then definitely like at the time my husband was active in like long history, family history of Mormon stock like they are good if you knew my real last name you you would know them in Idaho like you know them and so yeah that definitely was like oh look like I I I was starting to get reeled away like pre-January and then it was like the church is like no god wow so okay so you 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 be super Mormon, you find your husband, you like get married super fast too. Like that's a pretty, that's a pretty Mormon thing. Did you guys, were you married in the temple or? We were. You were. Okay. So you were married in the temple, like you're doing the Mormon stuff. 
Yes, not uh, the Rexbury Temple, but we did right. the whole. We did do the Temple of Marriage. Yes. Right, and then, like, wh- like, uh, you know, maybe if if I was Bishop Jensen, I might say, what went wrong? Like, wh- how did you end up like from <laughs> going so hard, guy? seeing all these blessings happening in your life, from you know going to a church school to being like, you know what, the church is bogus. Like, I'm out. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, I, um, so we definitely should circle back to some crazy mm-hmm. BYU-Idaho stories yeah, that totally, think. like, just, just fun story share. But to answer your question, um, so when we, he and I were together, we did do some sexual things. We did, we did break a lot of rules, okay? Like, this is probably going to get me in a lot of trouble, but he worked security for BYU Idaho campus. Mm-hmm. So like he had maybe I should have him want to share, but anyways, he had access to a lot of things and places and info and all of that. So there were plenty of, let's just say like patrol car rides mm-hmm. that got exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to talk like the Mormon way. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, they were they were intimate. <laughs> so we quickly were breaking rules, like in that sense, like yeah. obviously, like of what pulled us together. When I'm barely 19 and he's barely 24, mm-hmm. were was the physical sexual chemistry, obviously. Yeah. So yeah, so I slowed my facade. And crown slowly started dropping yeah. as soon as we were hooking up and dating. I mean, we weren't we were not full on having sex, but we were doing we were familiar with third base, right? Base. Right. You it, know, we're like, well, we're not going to do the thing because we know we need to go to the temple, so we won't do like that thing, but like we'll do the other thing. Right. Right. Which honestly <laughs> is like super common at at BYU Idaho, like. I think people, you know, especially young adults, they would be really, or people who haven't gone to to school there yet, and even people who are there for school, would be amazed at how much, like, how sexually active that student population actually is. But it's just not talked about, and nobody can access the information because everybody has to keep it on the down low. Everyone's lying. Yes. So yes, that you don't get sure. in trouble. Mormonism teaches you to lie. Like that is a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. And so so you're uh you're getting into trouble. Uh you still get married in the temple and everything. You're fooling around while you're still at BYU Idaho. Uh please carry on with the story here. Okay, so so yeah, that's part of like so I had a very negative experience at the temple. Mm-hmm. And like when I tried to talk to people about it, they would always be like, well, it's because you were breaking the rules when you went there. So like, that's why you felt bad and you had, you know, a bad experience because like you probably shouldn't have really been there. Yeah. It, it <laughs> couldn't possibly be that the temple is just a <laughs> weird and uncomfortable yeah, like place. Wild, but yeah, it was because like, oh, you, you weren't hundred percent worthy. Right. Yeah. And did you go, when was it like 2015 that they stopped using the shield or whatever? Did you go be before that or after, after those changes? I went before that. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. like, um, when I went, so that was a crazy, so should we dive into the temple story? 
Were yeah, you on yeah please. I Normally, we have to cut it off at an hour because Google Meets only lets you do one hour long meetings if there's three or more people. But Bishop Jensen's not here, so we can, we're we can breaking rules keep going. Left and right. Look exactly. At this. Okay. Tell we're me. Gaming, now we're going over. Just... <laughs> tell me. Tell me the the temple story. Okay. So, like, I did my endowment, and we did the temple ceiling, like, really close together, back together. Like, um, we got married in California. Um, we actually got married in the Oakland Temple. Um, and that's the same temple my parents were sealed in. So it had like a special place in my heart or, you know, whatever. I thought it was like honoring my parents. And even though I'm the middle kid, I was the first of my family to get married. Right. So it was like a big deal, like both sides of our family, you know, not extended family, but both sides of our parents were like, has to be temple marriage. Like it has to, like, they were all about policing us. They were all about like making us always be in separate rooms and always like pre pre wedding and everything. And like, we were so poor that we had to live with his parents for a time Mm -hmm. and live with my parents for a time before and after this marriage transition. Mm -hmm. As my husband had just graduated college and I only had one year done. So like no money, he was working two jobs in Rexburg which was like high status for him. Like, oh, he had two of the rare jobs. Yeah. But yeah, one of them was security. One of them was Malaluka. So oh, don't, of course. Come, don't come for him, you guys. <laughs> he was a victim, okay? Leave him alone. He's a victim. He wanted to, he needed a check. But yeah, so we were broke. Like, I didn't have a job. Like, I got nanny jobs and stuff. And I like, but at, in Rexburg, I didn't, wasn't able to get a job. Right. Yeah, so we were poor. So we had to like live with family before and after our wedding. And like during that time, it was chaotic. It was crazy. We were like sneaking out. We were fighting with family, like fighting with our parents because they all felt like, well, we're the patriarchs. We're the parents. Like we got to keep them chaste. We can't have them ruin it. Like, like, and I kept trying to push the wedding back because I'm like, I'm 19. I'm feeling anxiety. I feel anxious. Like we don't have time to plan. We don't have any money. And everyone's like, you cannot push it back. You're going to end up having sex you're going to get pregnant. You're going to ruin your life. Like you can't do like, even though hindsight, my husband and I have talked now, we're like, it wouldn't have been that bad if like we just lived together. And even if we got pregnant, like we're just like, we were solid as a couple. It was literally like listening to all of these voices, pleading. Like I would have a hundred percent wedding do over. Hmm. I would change like 99% of my wedding if I did it now at 30, you know? So, so yeah, it's completely different back then I was like the people pleaser I'm trying to give the people what they want like I want their blessing I want whatever so yeah we go through the temple and because I got endowed before and my husband's a return missionary he was already set up so he was the one that like was there with me Mm -hmm. when you know right for my endowment and he was the one there with me for the wedding I mean the ceiling and all that and so like first off let's Let's give the people what they want. We'll go in the story. The ladies were mean. Like the old ladies that work there, they were cranky. They hated their lives. They really? didn't want to be there. They were rude. Like it even rubbed my mom wrong. She's like, they're so cranky. Like they're so mean. Like we were scared. Like we were doing, like we were like literally like, we don't know what we're doing. Help us. And they're like cranky and mean. And like, ah, it was overwhelming. And like my mom and I were like trying to figure it out. And um, I felt... I felt unattractive 
yeah in the clothing yeah like I felt really just like ugly in garments and ugly in the the apron and the sash and the thing and I was like this is so embarrassing and like the dress I was wearing was not my wedding dress because you know it had to be long sleeved and like I'm having a summer wedding in California so my wedding dress was not my temple dress it was some rando dress like lent dress like you know (laughs) wow what you know as, as you're talking I'm realizing I'm like when people talk about people leaving the church there's there's this language around it of like well you know some people just have a bad experience in the church and like your whole life all of these things like one after the other like this is just so clearly showing like people stay even if they have bad experiences in the church right like all of my siblings who are in the church have had bad experiences in the church it's not bad experiences that uh that make people leave so I, I have another question for you, but first I want to hear the the uh, completion of this temple story. Okay. So, yeah. So, like, it's already starting off wrong. Like, mm-hmm. the ladies are mean. They're cranky. We're scared of them. We're scared we're doing it wrong. Like, I feel ugly on my damn wedding day. I feel unattractive. Like, the one day that you're supposed to be like, I'm hot. I'm pretty. Like, yeah. me. I'm like, oh, I'm embarrassed. I don't want to wear this. I feel, like, confined. I feel claustrophobic. I feel like oh, it's not my style. I'm not attractive. I'm embarrassed. Like I felt, I felt in, like, yeah, like you shouldn't feel embarrassed, like on your wedding day. I felt no. like so awkward and like, no one throws you a bone. They're just like, you're supposed to have studied. You're supposed to know you, you need to go more. And then you would know, you know, like right. this is my first time guys like cut me, like throw me a bone, you know? So this was your first time through the temple doing an endowment ceremony and your initiatory was on your wedding day was like the day before it was, it was the like day a few be- days before yeah they wanted it to be like you cannot have sex between this time right right, right. <laughs> we gotta keep her horse up like together wow <laughs> yeah okay so and yeah so at it was that really point rushed. It was there's really no backing up yeah yeah it was really rushed and really stressful for my mom and like one of my sister-in-laws so my husband's family had a brother who was already married who was Mormon and so like my sister-in-law I had my sister and my two sister-in-laws were my wedding party Mm -hmm. and my husband had his brothers and my brother as his wedding party party so it was very much like a family affair and any older siblings that had gone through the temple like were there but like younger poor younger siblings were just booted out but yeah so so yeah it was like an awkward family affair like very intimate very like a lot of pressure on my mom a lot of pressure on me and and my husband and so yeah like we go through it and like I honestly I don't remember anything that they said like I was a deer in the headlights I didn't know when they were talking at me I didn't know when I was supposed to do something and I actually like did a step wrong and the lady like scolded me and I was like I don't know like I didn't take the shoes off at the right time the slippers or yeah. whatever like you know I didn't like say amen enough or like something I was doing things wrong left and right because I was like I think I disassociated. I think I was like, once again, I'm in the universe, like, yeah. like, but not just like in a different situation. And so at the end of it, we're in the celestial room, me and my husband, and it's supposed to be like this beautiful moment in this room. And I'm like crying. Yeah. I'm sobbing. And I think everyone around was probably just like, oh, the spirit, bless her. Like she felt the spirit. No, I, my husband's like, what's wrong? Like, 
you know, like we're, we barely know each other, right? We're kids. He's like, I don't know what happened. She's crying in the celestial room. And I'm just like, I can barely talk. And I'm like, I don't think I can do this. I do not think I can do this. And he was like, oh, he's thinking that I mean like the marriage. Right. So he's like, what do you mean? Like, you, you don't think you can marry me? I was like, no, no, it's not you. Like, I want to marry you. I just, I don't think I can do this. Like, I don't think I can be this. Like, I don't think I'm this person. Like, I don't, I can't, I can't be here. Like, I can't do this. And so he's like, he was really talking me down. He's like, no, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Like, this is just a hoop we're going through, like to make everyone happy. It's all right. Like, you know, we don't have to keep going again. And like, you know, we just, we're almost there. Like, you know, what can I do? Like, he was really scared that I was going to like be the runaway bride. Yeah. And in instinctual, like I, all I did was sit there and cry, but inside I was like, um, really, I was yeah. like dramatic. Like everyone's like, you don't want to be there. Just leave. Like I listened to your other podcast recently where you guys are like, so many people are like, well, why don't you just leave why don't you just get out why yeah. don't you, you know but it's like no it's such a big production we weren't in my town we like drove miles to this special temple it was this big thing like yeah everyone's waiting outside for you i wanted to rip the clothes off and just be like let's elope in vegas bye and like yeah. and like never see cut everyone off and never see them again like i felt i did feel claustrophobic i felt trapped and i remember like telling him something like this is a cult yeah or, like this is culty like this is weird yeah like and now that i know like from steve hassan and like cult info and stuff that was like my inner self like my inner voice my authentic self being like this is level 10 bizarre and weird and they're trying to make you feel like it's normal but like you inside you knew it was wrong like you didn't want to do this it's so uncomfortable it's not enjoyable like and but yeah from the outside they see this young couple like she's sobbing in the slush room and her husband's like comforting her and like they're whispering and like they probably like it probably gave them a testimony moment of like right wow, this <laughs> but like if they had a mic like zoomed in they'd be like she's calling us a cult she wants to leave she wants to run away <laughs> yeah but honestly um like props props to your husband for calling it a hoop and like being like okay yeah you know and and taking <laughs> that far, like, don't, yeah. like li- and listening to that because I feel like when I was when I was fully in, um, definitely by the time I I was you know into my twenties, I I I would have been like, yeah, it is pretty culty. You're exactly right, you know. <laughs> but um, definitely, like as a sixteen year old, if somebody was if if I was on my wedding day as a 16 year old, if I had the mentality as an adult and it was my wedding day and my soon to be wife was like, this is kind of culty. I don't think I can do this thing. I'd be like, we're done everybody. And I'd, I'd call the temple <laughs> workers over to escort her out. I'd be like, you're, you're, like, you're you out of here. She's a harlot. Get her out of here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. God open the pit, push her ass in. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah, like it is culty, but when you're in, when you're fully in, you that like gets your hackles up, right? Like you don't want to admit that. And so, yeah, please continue continue with this wild wedding day uh, story here. Well, I'm I'm glad you brought that point. Like, if I did part of why I was crying was because it was such a complex emotion of like 
I didn't know how I was going to react. Like, I didn't know if he was going to be, like, angry at me or, like, upset or, yeah. like, shook, like, shocked. Like, how could she say these things? Oh, no. Like, or he's, like, like you said, he, if he was going to be, like, she said she can't do it. Like, I guess we can't. Like, I don't, you know, I didn't yeah. know. But, like, I felt like I had to be honest with him and, like, couldn't control my, like, my physical reaction was crying. Like, I'm an emotional person. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm don't hide my thoughts and emotions well like I'm very vocal and stuff and so like I'm sitting there and it was it's such a weird juxtaposition right because they're like this is such a beautiful building and you're in these white clothes and you're she's crying he's comforting her but like literally at the same time like the topics that we're discussing weren't like wow that was so amazing I felt we were literally I'm literally like I think I need a dip like I don't think I can and I'm scared like and at that point to be fair if he had been like I don't think you're the one that probably would have been for the best. Right. Yeah. Like, this is a telling moment of like, we literally just got married like minutes ago. And so like better now than never, like, but we are in it for each other. Like ultimately that's, that's kept us through everything. And so like our relationship really wasn't the problem. Right. It was the church, but the church would have been like, well, that's because you guys were bad and you were naughty and you're breaking right. rules. And like you were, you were 19 and you know, you didn't take the, temple readiness class or like you know they would have they would have found all these reasons or like oh it's normal to get cold feet like you were there was it, was, it is overwhelming and it's a lot it's a lot of you don't get the symbolism like they would have always right. always victim blame in the church they're always yeah. like you didn't do your part not that it's the whole thing was crazy and bizarre and completely culty it's like well no somewhere along the lines like you're to blame <laughs> yes yeah yeah it, you're always you're to blame like that's that's the way the church operates is you're always to blame um yeah so tell me how did you get through it and then like how did things start unraveling from there so yeah i i collected myself i was like you know what like i still want to marry you you're right this is a hoop like we can we'll circle back to this like planning a wedding is already overwhelming we already have super high tensions with his family like We had had a lot of fighting, a lot of contention, a lot of chaos. Like, I'm sure I was a bridezilla. I apologize to my cute little mom. Like, she was stressed out of her mind. Like, we were draining my parents' money because they weren't expecting me to get married. They were kind of against the marriage. His parents, they weren't against it, but they did have their doubts about me. They were definitely like, she's naughty. Like, she's shady. Like, we're on to her. Like, I'm sure they were thinking, like, we were hoping our son picked someone a little more Molly Mormon, mm-hmm. but I mean, I'm sure once again, I'm sure if we confronted them, they'd be like, no, we liked her. We love her. It's okay. You know, but like I've gotten by that they were very much like, they were very concerned. So his family is very concerned with appearances right. in every way and every type, whatever that means, like that's what it, they mean, you know? And so, um, and, and my husband like definitely had that pressure, like, you know, and so I, I feel like my wedding was really me just catering to everyone as much as I could. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that went wrong. And there was like, I had my wedding dress altered by my mother-in-law so that it could be like Mormon modest. Right. Yeah. Which is like a tragedy because I loved my dress. Like I loved it as it is. Like I loved my dress, but and it was still like to me, my standards modest but it wasn't like garment. Right. Modest. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which of course, if, 
if you only went through the temple like right before your wedding you might not even like be fully aware of how the garments fit on you and everything right and i i know my older sister when she went through the temple just before her mission she like chastised my mom for letting her be immodest because once she got the garments and saw how they fit on her she realized some of her shirts were immodest you know by garment standards and so i remember her like chewing my mom out a little bit and now you know years later my sister doesn't care about that stuff like modesty is bottom of her priority list as a member but like right before going on her mission she's like how could you like let me dress in modestly blah 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 i can't wear these shirts because they don't fit the garments properly blah 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 right and it was like this big big upset and my mom's like oh i'm sorry i thought they were fine you know like and it's this big deal, right? Like it's, it's this cracking, huge like, yeah, deal. Like the, they get the tape measure and they're like, it comes up a little before you need, not allowed. You yeah, know? yeah. Except, except then, even then, it depends like on how garments fit. Like is the standard garments or is there like a different standard you use, right? Because like even then, some people's garments don't don't go to their knees. I'm short, so my garments would go like past my knees almost. Like any shorts I I wear, like <laughs> you have to wear pants. It's worse than you to wear pants. Or you break the rules and you hike them up and roll them up, and you're not supposed to do that. Right, right exactly. <laughs> you yeah, can, like, pull them down for your cleavage, like which all the girls do. We're always like, like all, all these rules. Like, yeah. No, the garments are a great topic that you bring up. Yeah. Because. So at my reception, I was already not wearing my garments. Really? <laughs> and my sister-in-law and my mother-in-law were like very upset. They're like, it's already, you're already not wearing them. Like you can't <laughs> even wear them at the reception. Like you, we altered your dress for this. And like, they always checked me. Like even when I would visit, they would like check my sleeve, like give me a hug and like rub. You're serious. And, like, check my suitcase and like see if I pack them. And they, yeah, even like every time they'd visit and every time I'd visit them, like they would bring up the discussion of garments and they would ask me why I don't wear them. They offered to buy me some, they talked to my husband about it. Like it was a thing. I remember I'm like getting scolded at my wedding reception by my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law because they could already tell that I wasn't wearing them under the dress. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So then as like from this point, like you're you're already breaking the rules. You and your husband have been breaking the rules since <laughs> before you got married, right? Like follow the damn rules. Like now you know why all the authority figures were like, oh, <laughs> like with her. And so, like, how long did it take before you were like, okay, we're done with the church? Like, what's this? Like, where do we where do we go from here? Oh damn! I wish I wish I was like the hero riding off in the night, the wedding night, being like, "Bye, you guys!" Yeah, no, like, yeah. This was such a slow. Like, okay, we've been married for a while. Like, we have four kids. Like, mm-hmm. we have been in this for a while. Like, we have the slow, have the slow grind. Yeah. To leave, because um, I had a baby right away. Yeah. And I very much felt like, oh, I guess we need to like raise a kid in the church. Like, I should mm-hmm. try again. Like, we should try hard. Like this is the best way to like raise a kid. I think like I was 20 when I had my first daughter. So like, I did not know what I was doing. I did not like, you know, 
I didn't finish my degree. Like I, so I was like, we're just gonna stick with like what we think is good, right? Like we turned out okay. And like, we love our families and, mm-hmm. you know, and and we lived all over. Like we lived, we lived several, we lived in outside of Dallas. We lived outside of Denton. We lived outside of Houston. We lived outside of LA. Um, we live now where we live, which is where I grew up in central California. And like, you know, so we moved a lot mm-hmm. in the space that we had, like, this is our, this is my, in the last two and a half years is our first time, like being like somewhere stable, like where I grew up, mm-hmm. but before this, we were living all over the place. And so each new ward, each new place I moved, I would like try again. We would like start over. Like I did, I repeated the same thing that I did in Rexburg, which was like right. new place, new me, like turn them let's give it a college try again because it works so great you know it got me a husband like it went well like let's go like our kids are gonna be good like we're gonna be set we got this marriage parenting thing down like it you know and so i really i really did the whole cognitive dissonance dissonance Mm -hmm. i really gaslit myself and i was really just like just just you just need to try like you were always breaking girls that's why it didn't work like you know like it was still very much like I'm getting the guilt and shame. Like, it's my fault. Like, it's not so bad. Like, you have friends, you have community, you have things to do on Sunday. Like, you know, and, and like, um, I always thought Colleen's a nursery. So I just chilled with my own kid. Like, I'm not kidding. This happened every time. Like, I was like, cool. Like, I already know how to do this. Like, got it. You know, so like, I wasn't having conflicting doctrinal issues. I'm not judging people who leave on the doctrine or church history or whatever, but like those weren't my reasons for leaving because I never really, like I never read the book of Mormon. I didn't finish seminary. I didn't read the Bible. I didn't follow up on conference talks. Like I didn't read, I didn't have teaching callings where I taught adults and like we debated. I was literally in primary or nursery, like ages 10 and under every single time. So I did not leave for, doctrinal issues or biblical issues or book of mormon issues although those are valid and like anything that gets you out like yes i'm a cheerleader i support i'm your hype team like do the church history route go go like that's really fine but for me what it really came down to was raising my kids parenting and feminism and like um trying to eliminate oppressive systems and trying to have my daughters have a better chance, if that right. makes sense. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And I, I've known a lot of people who, uh, who see the patriarchy of the church, and they have a daughter, and they're like, oh, wait a second, like, maybe I want something better for this human being, right? I know that's a big case. Uh, I've got a, a, a family member who, when, when she had a daughter, she was like, okay, I got to, like, take a step back and really consider like how I want to raise, raise this person. Right. Um, yeah. Cause, uh, this might be news to people listening. I don't know if they've heard this before, but the church is sexist and, uh, hates women basically. So, <laughs> uh, if, if, if you're listening to this podcast like <laughs> and you haven't heard that, uh, wow, I'm, I'm impressed that you like that you made it this far into ex-Mormondom 
without uh, without hearing about that. <laughs> Newsflash alert alert yeah yeah, hey, uh, yeah. in case you didn't know um yeah it's sexist and it's patriarchal and oppressive to your women to your wife to your mom to your sister to your little girls like the whole system it's not like I'm not attacking individuals it's literally the structure like yeah this is what it is I'm not saying our society is even any better but like I have four daughters like 10 and under so like and we're all close and we were I'm a girl mom and yeah there's just like there were so many red flags that I'm like okay there has to be other ways and like I did learn about other ways and I just yeah it's like okay I had low self-esteem so I probably put up with a lot of stuff for myself but like I love my kids more than I love myself mm-hmm and I want my daughters to be like better than me in every way. I want them to have better than what I had in every single category. And so here I am like trying to like, I'm still putting them up for some some crap that I could just avoid, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, and then yeah. Uh, you, you do get out. At what point, how long did it take before you were like, you know what, like, I'm done. I'm going to raise my daughters in, in a better, uh, in a better space than this is offering. So I remember five years ago when we were living in Houston and I had just had my third baby girl. And I remember being like telling my husband like one night and I used to have a lot of anxiety, a lot of insomnia, a lot of like Saturday nights were the worst because it was like such a big production and the building was far away. And like, Mm -hmm. It was a whole ordeal. And like, um, I remember telling him, like, I have an answer and it's not what you want to hear, but I don't think the church is true. Hmm. I don't think any church is true. Like, I'm pretty sure on that. And basically my husband was not ready to hear that. Yeah. You know, he was like, "Mm, hold yourself. Like you can believe that that's fine. But like, can you still take the girls and go with me and be supportive. I'm like, you don't have to do anything you're not comfortable with. But like, you know, it was, he wasn't, he was not rude. He didn't handle it in like aggressive, scary way, but he was basically like, yeah, yeah, no. Like, mm, you're just, you're just being hormonal, emotional, had a baby. You're just like, I'm a flighty kind of person. I'm a spontaneous, high energy person. So he's probably just like, here's her phase again. Like she says, you know, like he's put up with me with all crazy, all crazy ideas. Like, so he finally like, Oh, like he didn't know how serious I was being. Right. Um, because off and on throughout a relationship, I've like called things out and been like, that was crazy. Right. Like that was weird. And he's like, yeah, that person's toxic or that person's dysfunctional or like they were inappropriate or like, you know, it was very much in his mind, like how he dealt with it is like, Oh, these are individuals who do these things. But like the church is still okay. He was right. kind of still that mentality. Yeah. But like I was literally like, I don't think any church is true. And I don't think this one is it. I don't think it is. Like, I don't have a testimony of Joseph Smith. I don't have a testimony of this. I don't have, like, I never got one of this. And so he was pretty much like, you're independent. You do your own thing. Like, we're not ready to leave the family. Yet. We're not ready to take the family out. Like, we're not ready to go there. So I pretty much just like disassociated for the last five years. Wow. Like until COVID hit. And that's when like it really accelerated accelerated to like we've been out since like COVID. Yeah. But yeah, like so I guess that's three years of disassociating. But yeah. So as soon as COVID hit, 
like we both were like this is kind of nice like yeah. covid was horrible but then not going on sunday was nice yeah <laughs> yeah that's really interesting <laughs> to me i mean to first to hear that you know you were like after all this time after everything you'd been through and even like calling things out that eventually you finally got to the point where you're like you know what uh i i don't believe this like i i don't buy this and then i i think it's good that your you know husband was like okay but then also can you still come to church with us that's a really hard thing to do i know i would have been like no like i hate church like i'm, <laughs> I'm done but but then yeah having covid i think a lot of people were just like oh shit like I don't like I I don't need this. Like I don't need to show up for church every Sunday and I can still be a happy functioning human being and maybe even I'm better off without it. That's like a big realization. I think that's happened for like so many people. And okay, to be fair, my husband wasn't like, please come with me. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, so I hadn't fully like deconstructed yet. Yeah. Like I hadn't fully, like I wasn't, I didn't have my anger that I have yet. Like at this time in Houston, I was kind of just like, I was starting to actually acknowledge since I was 15, all of those red flags and all of the signs and all of the reasons that I was like, this is not true. I had just kind of, started that because I had always just pushed them aside, like shoved them down somewhere and attributed to like my own guilt and shame, my own rule breaking, my own circumstances, that individual, like, oh, that person was weird. Or like, you know, you didn't study, you didn't read, you don't know. And so I really just kept gaslighting, gaslighting, hiding, internalizing, shoving, shoving off, shoving off because it was easier. And that was the first point where it was like, I don't actually accumulating all of this crap with like all these experiences in the last 15 years, like I cannot say that is true. Like I literally just, there's too much evidence at this point. There's too many facts. Like it doesn't matter what I do. It's not true for me. Like I do not get answers when I pray. I do not feel this spirit. Like I don't like, ah. And so, but yeah, so then COVID happened and my husband was like instantly in a better mood and instantly like relieved on Sunday like he could just like hold his laptop and listen in to some random talk and like we didn't have to make the kids and we didn't have to rest them up and we didn't have to be around people like so my husband's super introverted yeah and he's like very quiet he's like he's a very like he doesn't like attention on him on himself he's not like we are the yin and yang I'm like the loud affectionate bubbly like people please or need people like that song people Barbara Streisand I'm like my theme song you know like um and he's very much the opposite like he is fine if like you don't acknowledge him you don't talk to him you don't like if he goes to church he's like I don't need to see a person you don't need to talk to me you don't need to like like, I don't need to he's like we're at a party he's like I'm good in the corner with like one person or you know the food like you can go like he's not into like he's not he's not socially embarrassing but he's not like he wasn't motivated by the social part of church right. or like the friends. He didn't have like church friends, you know, he was going because he had a testimony. He felt like he got on his mission and he was holding on to that Right. and his upbringing and like his, his family history and all like, that's what he was holding on to. And the patriarchy, like all the pressure of like, you're responsible for your family. Yeah. And like, 
you know, your wife can be crazy, but like you can't, you know, like, yeah. and so I had more freedom in that sense because I wasn't like leading the family. Like I could do what I want. He could just get another wife, you know, like yep. in heaven. <laughs> but yeah. Interesting. Okay. So like, I want to know now that, now that like you're, you're done now that COVID has kind of been this final push for it to just be like, this is great. How, um, like what's been the fallout, uh, like with your family, you mentioned your dad has left. Um, but then is your mom still in, like, do you have siblings and then maybe how, like, how are things with your in-laws being like a super hyper Mormon family? That's a great question. So like, hallelujah, COVID kind of led, led the way for like all of us to leave in a way. So like, even though I have a brother in Kansas, I have a sister in Oklahoma, his parents live in Texas, my parents live here, but we were all like not super communicating. We weren't like causing each other this. We just like on our own, were simultaneously like trickling off and leaving during COVID. Um, But yeah, my mom's out. My dad left like years ago. He was... Um, but he was like kind of the only one for a while. And he, when he left, like we were living all over Texas, like we weren't close. My sister was still in college. Like my brother was married and had his own family. And like, so my brother is still sort of in because his wife is still very in mm-hmm. and his in-laws are very in. And like, he, you know, he lives by them and they're involved. And like, he, he mentally knows that it's not, the truth that they say it is but he's trying to be like supportive to his wife right and he's yeah. doing like the slow grind hoping hoping one day you know like, yeah. just as much as they hope that we'll come back this is what i think is funny <laughs> and ironic it's like just as much as they pray and hope that we'll come back like one day we're doing the same thing but yeah. for them like i'm hoping and praying one day they all will be <laughs> yeah yeah like it's literally like like how you feel about me you're praying about me you're worrying for me like ditto (laughs) i know you really want me to come back but i really really want you to leave yeah yeah like as much as you're doing all the things hoping that like we will come back like i'm secretly like every day is a new day hoping i hear that you left like (laughs) (laughs) i can't wait to get the text message saying you know what it's time you know what this is this is kind of a, a a funny thing though i have i have one friend who said yeah maybe maybe when i leave you'll you'll say i told you so and i told him i'm like i won't say i won't say i told you so because i know how it feels to go through that and it sucks but he like he brings up like how long do you think it'll take before i leave like he he He's says that you nuggets. He's yeah, I, like, i'm like do you want me to like do you want me to send you the ces letter like what are you asking for help to get out i'm i'm not really sure because i try and be really respectful and you know right you totally are yeah even on this podcast you're not quite as naughty as some of them no yeah exactly right so i i try and be really really respectful of of people's beliefs and their and their space and stuff even if i think it's dumb but uh this friend keeps like dropping these little hints and i'm like maybe i should say something next time he brings help? it Is up he calling getting... help? Do you need me to like rescue you like yeah I'm, I'm like do you do you, you want to leave? yeah i'm like, I feel like the jim carrey meme so you're saying there's a chance so you're saying there's a chance <laughs> exactly yeah so okay so your 
your side of the family is is pretty out so it sounds like they're all fine and happy with with what's going on with you but then on your husband's side of the family i mean you were already the daughter-in-law who didn't even wear her garments to her wedding reception <laughs> yeah i was already bad yeah i already fought with his dad like the, the day i rolled in with my suitcases into their house his dad was like we're not doing this. And I was like, I don't know who, which thing he's talking about, but he's something he, I was doing. Like, so we have already started off on like a really bad foot. Yeah. Like, already yeah. We've like tried for the sake of the grandkids. Like, so I don't believe in like, you know, axing people and cutting people off and like whatever, like, yeah. you know, I do believe in setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like, I'm just like, Oh, whatever you want to do is great. But like, yeah, no, for the sake of the kids and like, you know, they, I see them as victims too. Like mm -hmm. they're trying their best. They're doing what they know, but no, um, thankfully. So, um, my husband's family is like very complicated, mm -hmm. very messy. There's a lot. He's a middle child, middle baby. Um, so he has an older brother. He has a younger brother. He has a little sister. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of craziness like with that. And so, his brother, his younger brother actually left first. Mm. So his poor brother, like bless him. He's a hero. He's brave. He ripped the bandaid off. He got a lot of for it. He took the brunt of that. Like he yeah. was like, he did the journey. Like I, I owe him a lot. Like he's a good, good brother. Um, but yeah, so his parents did not handle that well and it went really bad. So then by the time my husband recently you know, drop the bomb. They handled it not great, mm -hmm. but not as bad as like, like we prepared for worst case scenario. Like we prepared for what happened to his brother. Like this is going to happen. Yeah. And so it was better than that. <laughs> it was better than his poor brother. But <laughs> he did not get that luxury. But yes, so like they learned from last time. They handled it better. Um, and then he has another brother who's like on the outs. Right. And then he has a sister who's like the double down theory, you know, and his parents are like the old down, like, like their reaction is like, they're already temple workers. So there's that just in yep. a picture. So now they're like going hard and they're like hitting us up with family history. And they're like, really like sending the girls letters. Like they're trying hard. Like they're like, our method is like, we need to try harder and like save our son. And his dad is pretty much like had openly said like well this just proves how important it is who you marry oh this is just a testament of of how how that's the most important decision you ever make is who you marry that's awful <laughs> i know 100 percent what you're saying bro like you're not saying it like i couldn't call him out and be like so you're saying it's my fault he's like no it's not what i said i said it's important who you marry but like 100 percent, and i'm like i will gladly take the fall like, if you want to give me all this credit that, like, <laughs> I can sway my husband and, like, I have so much weight in our relationship and I'm the boss. Like, if you want to give me the balls, totally. Give me the pants. Give me the balls. Like, I'll take credit. But, like, that's not reality. Reality is, like, my husband has his own, and you know, whole identity, autonomy, his yeah. own reasons, his, home, his own everything. But, yeah, like, they, they want to sleep better at night by blaming his harlot wife. I'll wear it. I'll take it. Like, I'll wear that sign. I'll wear that hat. I'll wear the t-shirt. I don't care. Like it just makes it easier for everyone. Like my ego's not phased. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like 
I, I, that's almost, that is, (laughs) it's, it's kind of like a, like a badge of honor of like, you're now you're the pioneer. You're like the missionary who saved his soul. (laughs) I did serve a mission, you guys. I thought I didn't. I thought I got out of it at 19, getting married instead. But, you know, like, here I am spreading the good word of Satan, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Not even. I don't think he's real. But, you know, if there was. (laughs) Right. And here's the thing. Like, the the effort that your in-laws are are putting in, that doubling down, um, it it's actually like, it's kind of sad because that's like, that's them, that's them spending their valuable time, um, to try and be more Mormon in order to save, save these souls that don't need saving uh, certainly not from the Mormon church, um, or by the Mormon church, definitely from the Mormon church. Um, but it's like, you, you know, you talking about this, I'm thinking like, would all of that effort ever break down my walls? Like if I had somebody pestering me and pestering me, like come back to church, come back to church. And I'm like, no, because I could get, I could get flat earth or society pamphlets in the mail every day telling me how the earth is flat. But like, I know, not even like, I know as, you know, as brightly as the sun shines in the sky, not like that kind of no. I know as in like, there's solid evidence that the Mormon church is not what it claims to be. That's it. That like, you can send me all the pamphlets. You can send me the missionaries. I'm never going to be convinced that it is what it claims because it's not like, and so uh, it it is sad, but also um, I'm glad you were uh, able to be a missionary in that way. No, you bring up such a good point. And I probably at some point, and I have told my husband this and my sister, like she's on, obviously like they're supportive, but I told him like, we, at some point we are going to have to make it clear and explicitly say like, and this is what his brother had to do. Mm -hmm. Like there is no chance. Mm -hmm. Like I, at least where I'm at right now, like there is nothing that will bring me back. Mm -hmm. Like I am so, I'm so far gone and, you know, I'm like, I don't know what terms that that, that makes sense, but, but like, no, you're hundred percent right. Like you could send me, go ahead. Like the missionaries, the pamphlets, like, like, I don't believe any of it. Like there is no, there's nothing. Everyone's like, what if the church changed this? What if they started doing that? I'd be like, well, great for the church. I'm still not coming back. Like, it doesn't matter to me. Like, I don't care. Like, they can do all the changes, all the stuff they want. Like, I'm out. I'm out. Like, I'm not, you know. And and his dad kept saying, like, well, just come back to God. It all comes back to God. It all comes back to Christ. Like, just go back to church. And he was, like, pleading with my husband, basically. Like, well, just go search your heart. Like, go back to your mission. Go back to God. Go back to these things. Go back to your what we taught you. Go back to the principles. Like, don't worry about tithing. Don't worry about this. Like, go back to that. And as he's saying that, I'm literally in my head, I'm like, that only works if you believe in God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is only great advice if you believe in Jesus. Like, this is only, like, telling me to go back to God, I, I don't even have, like, a comparison because I'm like, I don't know if he's there, bro. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Odd person. Like, it's, it's like, the flat earther is a good analogy. Like, no matter what argument they present, like, I'm a round earther. Like, I'm, yeah. it's a sphere. Like, I don't know. 
but (laughs) like even even if you do um even if you do believe in god that doesn't mean that mormonism is true right that's him saying you know hey take away all of the things that makes the church the church and and then stay right like don't think about Joseph Smith. Don't worry about time. Don't think about to just hang on to God. Yeah, right. And it's like, it. well, then why should I be Mormon? Like I could be any other religion. And there are plenty of religions that do significantly less harm than Mormonism. Well, and I think they are holding out hope. And my husband has, and, and my husband still might be holding out hope that he believes in something. Yeah. So like, maybe that's them being like, this is a compromise. Like, like he does still entertain a lot of his mom's, like spiritual beliefs and things. And like he, my husband won't say that he's atheist or he's agnostic. Like he's like, I'm, I believe something right. Where I'm the one that's pretty hard. That's like, I go down the existential route. Like I, I'm like, I'm going down the simulation route. I'm going down every, like I'm, I'm vetting everything. Like I'm open to any and all possibilities, but the likelihood of there being a God, I feel like is very slim. Like that's where I'm so yeah, like so then so his dad just kept saying, like, go back to these experiences. I'm like, you're talking he could have just like he's pleading to the wall, like, I don't yeah, you know, like <laughs> yeah. It's not as helpful as you think it's helpful because I have to have like that established belief first. Like, and so that's why I, it is our bad for not explicitly like the way we worded it was like we're no longer participating in the church, like we don't mm-hmm. believe in it anymore, we're not attending, we're not whatever. And so I think because they didn't want to have a fight or discuss about it they're just like you know piecing together what they think we are and what we are believing and they're holding out hope and they're gonna try and like uh, and like you know my brother-in-law was like you do need to be harsh with mom and dad like you do need to get to a point where you're like do not like he told them like do not send me anything with the church don't talk to about religion to my kids like nothing like mm-hmm. zero zip completely nothing because because yeah now they're over here like I feel bad, but yeah, like they feel bad for my kids. Like they're worried about their grandkids and like they're worried about their son and like they think they need to try and like they're part, like they, they're taking on responsibility that's not theirs, Yeah, you know, but because it is a patriarchal system and dad's like, I'm a tumble worker. Ah, like I let my family down. Like yeah. he's feeling like he's probably feeling anger. Like he's been avoiding my husband, like the plague, like, because I think they're like both mad at each other. Like, I don't know. But, and so I do feel bad in the patriarchal system that we have, like men get the brunt of the responsibility mm-hmm. for good and bad. So like they, I can segue and like take the fall and be the scapegoat and be blamed. And like, it's not that bad for me because I didn't serve a mission and like, I'm not the priesthood holder and I didn't have like big callings. I was a nursery worker. Like no one's holding me to the same standards and accountability that they hold return missionary priesthood holder you know whatever that that and the the leader of the house you know like not just the sperm giver but like (laughs) the provider yeah (laughs) right the the patriarch and i think that is the perfect example of um like the way the patriarchy harms men as well uh, is is this expectation that you provide and you you are the uh, deliverer of like morality, right? And if if your family get goes astray in any way, this is your fault and this is your problem, uh, and and now you need to fix it. And so, yeah, I, I 
like and it also goes to show that when somebody leaves the church it's a tough experience for everybody involved whether it's siblings parents yourself your friends um i recently had a, a friend ask me how i how i find meaning you know um because they're like worried about that right um and so i think yeah, I, I think compassion goes a long way, but also boundaries go a long way. What your brother-in-law is talking about of being like, hey, here's the line. Please be respectful of that. And I'm going to be respectful of your boundaries too. Have that conversation with them as well uh, of their own boundaries. Right. Uh, like we're not trying, we're not asking them to like, you can't go to church and you can't wait. Like right. the interesting thing is like, I know a lot of people like give ex-Mormons like a bad rap of like, oh, they're anti and they're, they're, they're always so angry and they're always like so vocal and, they're, and I'm like they're still not as like vocal as missionaries <laughs> and like the the Relief Society president lady yeah. and the home teacher like we've been we literally hide because the missionaries still try to come like regularly yeah. we like hide and don't I tell the girls they're talking or like we have had like our ministering brother come by and like we're we're kind and we're like because like I don't have beef with like an individual. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. my husband and I are, we're not angry at like, okay, there's a few people that I have some stories, but I'm not like angry at them. I'm not like attacking them. So like this, the problem is like the system. The problem isn't like the individual like friends that I still have or like the good families and like his parents, like they're not my enemy. Yeah. I'm not like vocal against them. You know, yeah. I don't judge them, blame them. Like I see them as, victims too like doing the best they can like um but it's just interesting they don't allot that usually the same way back like they see ex-mormons as like dangerous and like scary and like oh anti and so aggressive and so angry and so negative and like so bitter and like we're really not that bitter like we're really not like yeah like i'm still a happily bubbly like person like that didn't yeah. change and the the people in my family like yes we would love it if you left anyone listening and you're on the fence like <laughs> i'm doing my part and i'm like please leave i'm sharing my story but no i'm not gonna like harass you and hit you up and text you and you know and all these mormons who are on ex-mormon reddit i'm like why are you even there getting all mad <laughs> is this yeah are you is this a sign are you what are you are you yeah are you signing for help blink twice we need help like <laughs> like they're they're all mad about the ex-mormons and i'm like because it gets to you, because it's true. Like, if it wasn't true, it shouldn't hurt you. Like, you know, why are you so threatened, bro? Like, what's going on? I mean, but it is a part of the patriarchal system. It's like the fragile male ego Mm -hmm. drives all of the the decision-making. So, like, here we go. Now we got to tiptoe on the fragile male ego again, even when you leave. Like, there's a right way you're supposed to leave. (laughs) What we should start doing is send smiling young adults to knock on people's doors and uh and specifically mormon's doors and try and convince them (laughs) and uh yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think that'd be hilarious but we're coming up on two hours this i don't think this is our longest episode but it's one of the longest ones and I'm currently babysitting two senior dogs, so I should probably uh, see. And I if, also just mentioned I have four kids, know. so they're yeah, exactly. Like, they're they're like, where's mom? <laughs> um, so, do you have any final parting thoughts you'd like to share? Um, 
just putting it out there since I will I will put myself out there just kidding no um I would love to be on again and be your friend also Mm -hmm. and then yeah no if, if anyone would want to like I don't know I there's plenty of topics we brought up but I would love to at some point maybe hear more about like women's stories or like mm-hmm. you know sexism you know sexual abuse in the church and um also like we can rip BYU Idaho to shreds I love hearing those stories too <laughs> but yeah um I am glad I honestly thought I was rejected at first when I emailed you guys because you literally just took like a few days not even that long yeah. but I was like oh no I'm embarrassing <laughs> it's not gonna happen they're Canadian they're way too nice they're not going to know how to reject me. Kind of, like, there's just there's no way of rejecting them. You're too kind. They're not mean like us Americans. So like, I was like, oh no. Like I, I was, I'm just totally a fangirl. And like, this has been amazing. I've been like excited about this. So thank you for having me. I'm, I'm a fan. <laughs> Glad to have a fan. Uh, yeah, we don't really get much hate mail, but if you want to send us hate mail, uh, it's unmormon at gmail.com. Bishop Jensen manages that email address, so you can blame him for being slow. To <laughs> he wants to hate. I mean, there uh, you go. <laughs> I, did, I did get into the email once, and like uh, I, I replied to some people who I think Bishop Jensen just like read the email and was like, I'll come back to it later and just never responded. Um, so it does happen. Um, but we, we like getting emails. We like seeing what people think and we like hearing from people and we like great guests like you, uh, having you on the show. So we're definitely going to have you back. I think we need to have, we need to have more episodes on like specific topics and experiences. So maybe we can have like a, a patriarchy episode and maybe we can have a, uh, a BYU Idaho reunion. Cause of course, sister Jensen also went to BYU Idaho and got kicked out so yes oh yes okay yeah. i defer to you guys for, you know, for the record but yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i quit uh <laughs> so, like, I, we have three different alternate get out yeah, I, <laughs> I took my associates and left uh yeah i'm not sure if i've shared that whole story on the podcast yet but that would be fun yeah, if you want to roast if we want to roast we were i don't know i'm down i have like bishop stories i have i have dating stories we got the tea so perfect okay i think that would be a lot of fun um but with that i just gotta say uh that we we say these things and we close this uh two-hour meeting in the name of in the name of moroni amen amen